Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning to you and welcome to the Canterbury Sports Corner with Stephen Mackay with this morning here till 8. Enterprise, the recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years if you're in the Canterbury region. Good morning to you. I hope everything's going fine. Forecast not so bad for a day out today. Low cloud with patchy light rain clearing to fine in the afternoon. Southwesters will die out in the afternoon. The high expected today, 19 degrees, sunset around 5.48. It's a great day to lay concrete. It's a great day to lay concrete. So if you've got that on the cards, uh, get amongst it. Uh, if you're a Crusaders fan, uh, you probably would have been a little bit nervous last night to come behind from a- again, this time against the Rebels. Final score in Super Rugby Crusaders, 43. Rebels, 27. Now, you will know that they were without Will Jordan, Lester Fanganuku, Ethan Blackadder, and late call out was Cody Taylor. But they got the job done. Still, there are many cynics suggesting they can't go all the way. Well, as you know, if you're a Canterbury fan, uh, they are tough, and if they have to come behind to win, it doesn't really matter. Get the W, get the W. Interesting fact here, though. Uh, Scott Robinson has now surpassed Robbie Deans to hold the most wins in Super Rugby history with 90 from 106 matches. You know what that is? That's an 85% success rate. But he uh, would have been a little grumpy because they were 24-12 down or 12-24 down at half time. But your Crusaders get the job done again. And next up, they face the Chiefs who uh, spoiled the party in the wet conditions and beat up on the Fijian Drua. It's a busy old morning. Uh, coming your way uh, before 8 o'clock this morning, we're going to be talking to Will Evans from Canterbury Rugby League. It's a, it's a big day in Canterbury Rugby League with a lot of history involved. We'll talk to Brendan Telfer about the Commonwealth Games. If you remember, Christchurch held them at the now defunct stadium back in 1974, the Friendly Games. And I know Telfer was involved there. He started in television back in uh, 1974 as well. Not so sure he actually did those games. I hear we'll confirm that a little bit later. So there's a whole lot coming. Plus we'll tell you what sports and Things are going on uh, around Canterbury before 8 o'clock this morning. But first up, we're going to talk hockey. And it is plenty on at uh, Napunawai today. So we uh, we thought we'd have a chat to David Bryden, uh, the Can- Canterbury Blackstick. And, uh, well, no better word than saying good morning to you, David. G'day, how's it going? Yeah, good, mate. Look, I just suddenly realised, I was looking at the uh, schedule at Napunawai, there's a whole lot of Black Six games and there's Great Britain there and Australia and suddenly I realise, oh, the FIH Pro League's back. Uh, that that's, uh, comes as a surprise. Has, has it been too long between drinks? Uh, yeah, it's been far too long between drinks. Um, yeah, having the uh, Pro League back in Christchurch today is pretty exciting, especially for myself being a uh, uh, hometown boy. Um, so, no, we're pretty excited to be uh, gearing up against Great Britain today, obviously, and then... Uh, going on to the Anzac Test with Aussie in a few days' time. Oh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. I mean, when was the last time you played uh, in Christchurch for an international? Uh, I believe it was 2019 or 2020. I can't remember. It was uh, one of the last pro leagues we had here, um, which was, yeah, pretty big success. Uh, we had a few good wins and 
some really good turnout from the crowd. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping sort of to repeat some of those uh, uh, those days we had and, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can uh, come close to achieving a few good results. Yeah, come on. I know, I know you're at the bottom of the table, the men at least anyway, and that's, that's, that's not, not so much fun to think about. But how important is the Pro League in your mind to international hockey? Yeah, for us it's pretty huge. I mean, we're we're at the bottom of the world, so so the fact that we can uh, get some of these top teams out to us to play um, somewhat regularly is is huge for our program. Um, I think, yeah, being uh, well from having COVID for the last few years and missing out on that, we've seen what that top competition can do uh, for the likes of South Africa and I think a couple of other France um, who were involved um, and sort of gone from strength to strength to strength. So um, missing out on uh, pro league is yeah not something we want to think about. So so points in the next sort of four games for us is is a must so that we can uh, keep our spot and continue uh, I guess competing against these top teams. Um, regularly. Okay, so you've just said keep your spot. Can you explain to me then uh, how the Pro League works? I mean, uh, do they have a playoff system or do you have to be at a certain level to maintain your position going forward for the next season? So it chops and changes all the time, but uh, <laughs> this this season um, it's promotion relegation. Uh, so there was a tournament recently uh for the promotion and I believe South Africa earned the spot and uh, actually gave it up so Ireland will be coming into the next year and then uh, yeah the bottom of the table will get dropped so um, yeah for us we're in a sort of must win position uh, just you know grab some points and slowly climb back up and hopefully knock someone else out. Have the what's preparation been like for this match wise? Match-wise, um, we recently, uh, I guess, last matches were World Cup. Um, so mm, for this group, uh, yeah, not many of us were actually uh, part of that. So being such a fresh new group, we're sort of, um, yeah, not coming in blind, but we've, we've um, lacking games. But we've had sort of two really good build-ups in the terms of camps and of course, this week in Christchurch. So um, I think, you know, that lack of uh, games can be a bit of a surprise for people at times. So hopefully it uh, plays into our hands. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I note a couple of potential debutants in Isaac Holbrook and Patrick Ward. Yeah, there's actually, I believe, five. Oh, God, um, okay. So, so, yeah, there was six, but unfortunately uh, we've had one ruled out due to concussion, which is a massive shame, and Nick Lidstone, another Canterbury lad. But um, So I think there's also George Baker, uh, Scott Boyd, and I'm missing someone. But, yeah, so we have five across the series that hopefully uh, pull on the black jersey for the first time. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that you say fresh, because if I'm correct, you've got close to what, just over 70 caps, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so <laughs> not that yeah, fresh, not that fresh, a, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel fresh, uh, but yes. <laughs> was that was that a tongue in cheek because you you missed out on the cup and the com games? Is that about? Is that where that comes about? Oh no, not at all, not at all. No, oh, I suppose uh, the last on, few years have been cynic, a bit slow cynic, for us. Cynical so, tongue in cheek. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not not a cynical person. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I I think yeah. At the moment, it's um. Yeah, nice building period for yeah. the team. So it's a little bit different look. Um, 
which if I remember back to my debut, we were in a similar position. We had a series against Australia with five or six debutantes, and we um, we really turned it on. I think we, we lost two, but we, we won uh, the, the final game, which was the first win over Aussie in 49 years in, in ho- on home soil. So, I mean, if I reflect back to that, I believe, you know, this new looks always an exciting time to be part of, and, um, you know, just... Yeah, it's exciting. So uh, the, the uh, black stick hockey has always been incredibly fast, like the game itself. It's also, you know, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. How are these camps working as far as the, the mental side of the game goes? Um, yeah, we've actually uh, had uh, John Quinn uh, working with us, uh, who's based down here in Christchurch, um, and he's been awesome. Uh, so as you said, hockey is such a fast paced game um, so he's just sort of starting to teach us and uh, help us slow it down and simplify things because at the time at times you do get quite caught up um, in the game and things just go past in a blur so um, I know personally when I'm slowing things down taking a bit of a breath um, you know things are a lot simpler so um, yeah it's a big growth area for the black six at the moment I think mental skills are uh, probably underutilised and have been in the last sort of uh, five, six years and it's probably an area um, as a group we can uh, hopefully make a bit of a point of difference and become quite, uh, I suppose, quite a strong mentally and, um, yep. you know, just those tough moments come easy. Do, do, do you think when you're playing it quick it becomes very quick like chess? Because I, I look at hockey from afar and go, man, there are so many so many moves going so quickly that you really, your mental capacity has to be almost like fast twitch muscles. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, especially playing sides like DB and uh, Aussie, they love to to rotate around and um, try and manipulate as much as possible. So, yeah, for us, it's just about knowing our role as well as possible. Um, you know, we're not getting dragged out of position. So if we're... If we actually sometimes slow it down, uh, yeah, things become a bit easier and a bit clearer for us. So um, if you end up running around, I know in my junior years I was uh, very guilty of getting caught running all over the place. But um, as time goes on, you realise that if you slow down a bit, things are, yeah, not quite what they look and actually quite simple to solve. So, yeah, 100% it's slow things down and... um, would yeah, you, take it as it comes. Would it would it be fair to say you sort of now concentrate if you're going down that path, path more on targeted running, you know, targeted areas? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, we, you know, if we've got big meters on the GPS, it's sometimes a reflection that uh, things haven't gone too well, and we're sort of chasing the game. So it's a matter of mm. trying to do the running when we want to be doing the running, so we can uh, sort of run over the top of uh, another opponent um so yeah me personally i love going back and forth up the field to be involved um now you're a masochist so, that's what that's called <laughs> yeah i'd yeah i'd probably rely on my running a bit too much but yeah <laughs> if we're uh, running too much in the defense it's sometimes yeah things aren't going too well as as a defender what's the worst part of the game oh yeah, I think when you receive a ball in the circle or you've got someone, the Australians, breathing down your neck in the circle and you 
you're, uh, <laughs> I guess, trying to find someone and no one's there. It's always a pretty scary thought, but, um, you know, when we slow, slow things down and uh, take a breath, there's sometimes it's all perceived pressure all the time. So, um, yeah, if you can sort of excuse or ignore that perceived pressure, things are a bit clearer, but, uh, yeah, it's international hockey, so it's never pretty straightforward. Do you do you play uh, international club hockey in the off season? I have dabbled a little bit. I've just been over in uh, in Belgium for half a season, um, and it was a bit of a mixed experience. But I think the yeah, I really enjoyed myself and the quality of hockey over there week in week out. It's pretty impressive. Um, but I made a decision. I've come back home. Um, to try and sort of chase the black jersey a bit harder after a few misselections. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's at times a great opportunity, but it's also um, drags you away from the black shirt at times. So, yeah, it's always a tough decision when you're choosing club over uh, club over the national stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, we've got a lot of boys over there, and a uh, few are making really good careers out of it. Um, and some top hockey and uh but yeah so i suppose sometimes they will miss opportunity which gives these five boys debuting this week a, yeah. a chance so it's sort of yeah it's it's got its perks it's also yeah how strong is the comp in, how strong is the comp in belgium uh the belgium one's pretty strong i'd say it'd be one of the top in the world um like the the three probably pretty regular clubs that the Kiwis are playing is the German, uh, the Belgium and Holland. Um, my take on it is probably the Holland would be probably the most professional. Um, but the German and uh, Holland are both extremely competitive and, um, you know, like you've got Olympic champs um, and you've got, uh, all the Olympic champs are playing in that Belgium league, so it's you know you're coming up some top players every week, and yeah, it's yeah, it's impressive to watch, um, and you sort of see how those small countries uh, create such top hockey sides. Um, you know they're uh, week in week out they're with top clubs, and then also uh, based with the international team uh, week in week out. So they get the best of both worlds. Um, and unfortunately, being at the bottom of the world, we sort of got to search a little bit harder to try and find that balance. But um, no, it's all good stuff. <laughs> On reflection, do you think it was good for your game? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, so I went to probably a little bit of a weaker club. Um, so for myself, I was probably one of the more experienced players. So going there, I had to... Uh, I guess I was a bit more of a leader. Um, so in that respect, it was awesome. I sort of, uh, you know, got handed a bit more responsibility, um, played a few different roles within the team as well. So so I think as a player, it's, it's definitely helped me grow because um, sometimes you get stuck in, stuck in your ways as a bit of, not a junior player in the Black Six, but uh, I guess haven't quite cracked that uh, starting role so just, yeah, that responsibility of being a senior player was awesome, um, taking more things on, and I guess, yeah, that responsibility was a big learning curve for me. 
Well, it sounds like your head's in the game. So Black Six women, they play what time today? They the first game Ooh. up. They're, they're the first game up, aren't they? Yeah, I believe. I think I'd, it's two ten. So you guys are two ten. I think it's got. I've got here in front of me. Then you guys play straight after at uh, four forty. Would that sound right to you? Yeah, that would be the one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I yeah. I, so I, there's another. You go. You go. Oh no! I was going to say yeah, another exciting opportunity for a few of the young girls as well. I think they potentially have a lot of debutantes as well. So no, a bloody exciting day for New Zealand hockey and. Uh, Hopefully we've got smiles on our faces at the end of the day. <laughs> well, here's hoping you take your own advice this afternoon and go slow. <laughs> and times, yeah, absolutely. David, thanks so much for uh, giving us your time and good luck to the Black Sticks today, buddy. Awesome. No, cheers for that. Appreciate it. Seven twenty-one on this Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Stephen McIver this morning here till eight ahead of the mail run, and this is what's going on in Canterbury. Just to check out what sporting events are happening in your area, brought to you by Trident Homes, designed for living and built for life, and proud supporters of the Trident Home Tactics. Check out our modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz. So it's a there's plenty going on, all sorts of bits and bobs around the place. Of course, having just uh, spoken to David Bryden, of course, is the FIH Pro League at Napunawai uh, to start today and going right through to the 30th first game at 2.10 this afternoon at Napunawai and that'll feature the women black stick so get along to and support that. This morning at 9 o'clock at uh, Crosby Park there's an 11 and 12 mini rugby league tournament and if you like a bit of volleyball, hell the social volleyball between 2 and 5 this afternoon at Burnside High School uh, tomorrow of course, there's the FIH Pro League and also a big old day at Moorpark Speedway in Leeston because it's called Dirtquake. I'm loving that. You know I love my motorsports, so nothing like getting out in the dirt and seeing them slide around the place. Uh, that's tomorrow between the 1 and 5. Two adults, two kids. It's only 40 bucks, so it's a pretty good uh, day out. The Darfield High School have a golf tournament at Greendale tomorrow as well. And uh, oh, also, just a reminder, the New Zealand Sprint Car title is at Ellesmere Speedway in Leeston at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Not forgetting, of course, tonight, your Canterbury Rams play in the Sales NBL. They're playing at Pullman Arena tonight, so you better watch that on the telly to watch your Canterbury Rams up against the uh, the Franklin Bulls. Remembering, of course, they had triple overtime against Hawke's Bay at the weekend. They're on their doubleheader road trip, the Canterbury Rams. They won that one 110-103. So there's plenty going on about the place in Canterbury. And just keep your eye also on the Canterbury Rams and the Sales NBL. So that's going on in Canterbury and a little bit further afield for your Rams. Brought to you by Trident Homes. Designed for living and built for life. Seven twenty-eight on a Saturday morning around Canterbury with Stephen McIver. I trust your morning. If you are open, waking up bleary-eyed is okay. Your Crusaders got home after coming from behind twenty-four twelve against the Rebels last night, so they they keep rolling on. And this is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, brought to you by Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Canterbury Rugby League, yeah, let's just start again, shall we? Oh, it's one of those days. My apologies. Uh, if you just want to update yourself on the NRL, uh, Rabbitohs 20, Panthers 18 on Thursday. Last night in Darwin, Broncos got the Eels 26-16. So let's take it down a step, but just as passionate is Canterbury Rugby League. That's right, and they have another busy weekend and a little bit of history happening today as well, and it's time to talk to the Canterbury Rugby League media liaison officer, uh, Will Evans. Morning, Will. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Look, I've 
I'm a, I used to live on the West Coast, right? And I used to support a club called Cobden Coenor. You may It may or may not ring a bell with you. But I noticed now that in no, the Can- <laughs> Canterbury Rugby League, the Greyhounds are doing okay. And they've got a pretty special match against Papua Nui today, uh, the, the Thacker Shield. Can you explain the Thacker Shield? Yeah, so the Thacker Shield was uh, instigated uh, more than a century ago, 1913, by Dr. Henry Thacker. He's a very important person in the... Uh, and setting up Canterbury Rugby League um, all those years ago. Our first president down here, and uh, he donated a shield. It was initially played for between, oh, as a, a national sort of Ramfurly shield type thing, I guess you'd call it. Um, eventually, it, it, it just became a South Island thing, and, and for more, well, about 100 years, uh, it has been a Canterbury and West Coast thing. So traditionally, it was played for between the uh, premiership winner from the Canterbury competition and the West Coast competition. Uh, very prestigious, particularly when rugby league on the West Coast was strong. Obviously, uh, playing numbers and that sort of thing uh, it quite, hasn't quite been the case for West Coast. Uh, we've seen in, in more recent years the premiership winning team from Canterbury uh, go over and play a West Coast representative team. But now with uh, Greymouth Greyhounds competing in Canterbury's uh, premier reserve grade, uh, we've revitalised the Thacker Shield and it'll be played for on a more regular basis. Uh, the holder will... Um, put it up for every home game, um, with not including finals. So uh, today we've got, yeah, Greymouth uh, will play Papua Nui Tigers for that one. Um, and I'm sure it'll uh, yeah, become a really prized possession for clubs competing for it. So for those that might want to try and understand how that works, it's simply, it's a bit like the Ranfley Shield, right? You win it, you put it up for grabs and away you go. Yeah, yeah. So it's rather than it being... Uh, contested between um, sort of title-winning teams mm. now. It'll be, yeah, just carry on through the season. So every home game, uh, teams will be obliged to put it up for a challenge. Um, and, yeah, obviously if you win that challenge, it becomes you become the holder of the shield and put it up for your own home games and, um, and hold it over the summer if you win your last home game of the regular season. What's the feedback been like about this uh, this change? I think clubs are pretty excited about it. I think it's uh, just really timely with uh, Greymouth Greyhounds uh, growing and, and becoming a bit of a force in our Premier Reserve grade. They're, they've uh, won all of their games by 50-odd points so far this season and, and looking uh, a really good chance to potentially win the, the Premier Reserve grade and even uh, win promotion to the Premiers potentially for next year. So... Uh, it's a really exciting time for them in West Coast Rugby League um, after a bit of a downturn and uh, just, yeah, really exciting to have the Packer Shield back up for grabs. Yeah, it's, it's, it intrigues me because, you know, we know traditionally Greymouth, that area in the West Coast, has been a, a rugby league stronghold. What's what's changed that it's now sort of back on the rise? Um, I guess there's just a lot of hard-working uh, people over there that are the, sort of the lifeblood of the game and... Um, and getting young players interested in it again. Uh, we had some really quality players uh, come over and, and play in the Canterbury Comp and for the Canterbury Bulls in recent years, but it's uh, really great to see you know, uh, young West Coast players have a team to actually play for over there. A lot of travel. They're coming over here most weeks to, to, um, mm. to play our club teams here, um, but Canterbury Rugby League is offering West Coast a lot of support. And, um, and supporting our clubs to uh, make the trip over there. So the, the game today will be in Greymouth at uh, Wingham Park. 
which is um, exciting in <laughs> itself. The, uh, the, I'm sure you've been down there a few times, oh, Stephen. Well, uh, yeah. Few, it, uh, rough and tumble games yeah, there. Yeah, rough and tumble. I don't know what the deck's like. I haven't been there for The last time I was at uh, Wingham Park, mate, uh, the Warriors were playing a pre-season game against the Newcastle Knights, which the, the Knights won. And uh, the crowds came out in force. But it'd be really interesting to see how it's like. The, the deck wasn't exactly... Uh, how we say manicured, and I know I may no ill will to the grounds people, but it certainly carries a lot of history. And, and when I read about the Thacker Shield, I thought to myself, Will must be pretty pumped because places like Wingham Park have so much history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it was at 1946, West Coast beat Great Britain there, and as, as recently as, well, I ran a piece on Canberra Every League's website uh, today about an upset by West Coast over Canterbury. Frank Endicott coached Canterbury team in 1989. Um, so some great memories there. And, um, and it, you know, as much as it's not quite the uh, force or the rugby league sort of breeding ground that it, that it used to be, it's uh, still a rugby league heartland and, um, and a very proud rugby league region. It's a beautiful part of the world too. Lived there for 18 months. So it was, it was a whole heap of fun. Hey, um, the Mazzetti Shield, right? That's the that's what you play for in the local comp, the CRL comp, yeah? Uh, yeah, the Mazzetti Cup is the um, basically the minor premiership in our premier, premier grade here. So talk to me about... And, all, uh, they, they, all games today kick off at 2.45, I noted. Uh, what are the, some of the big games that folks can look forward to and go and watch live? Uh, so the big one today is uh, Limwood and Hornby. Uh, they've played five of the last six grand finals against each other. It's a grand final, first grand final rematch of the season. Uh, they both come into this one unbeaten, so the, the script couldn't be written any better for a massive uh, clash down at Limwood Park. Uh, yeah, great rivalry. The the uh, the fiercest modern rivalry in Canterbury Rugby League. Just playing so many big games, so many classic grand finals, and last year's was probably the most dramatic that I've seen in my time in Canterbury. Uh, in Alaleo's uh, last minute try, last play of the game to win it. Uh, so Hornby obviously will be pretty keen to come out and uh, and make a bit of a statement. Yes, um, and, 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 is, and is the yeah. support strong for them? Will. Yeah, absolutely. Horn, uh, well, every club down here has a, a really good supporter base, uh, Linwood and Hornby in particular. Um, and uh, yeah, it's always a great atmosphere down at down at Linwood Park, um, especially for these these big rivalry games. What are some of the other matches that folks can look forward to to support their local team? Uh, so also this weekend, Northern Bulldogs and Horsell Hornets out at uh, Murphy Park in Kaiapoise. So. That's a big one as well. Uh, Halls were big improvers over the last couple of years. Uh, unlucky not to play in a grand final last year. Northern have, have played in a grand final in the last uh, couple of years. They're the, the only team to sort of break that uh, stranglehold that Linwood and Hornby have had on grand final day um, in the last six years. So uh, a big opportunity to sort of push up for that sort of third position Um and the other the other fixture is Eastern Eagles who got off the mark last weekend. They'll be hosting uh, Rickard Knights at Wainoni Park, so uh, an important game for those clubs as well. So, how far through the season are we? As we're just catching up with the Canterbury Rugby League, where how far into it are we? Uh, so this is round four today. Uh, took a break for Easter. Started slightly earlier in March. Start where usually we start at the the start of April. A slightly longer season, fifteen rounds it will be so um yeah really exciting to to expand the season a bit 
and uh, been playing right through to to a uh, mid-August grand final. Okay, so well, that's good. So just a reminder, all those Mazzetti Cup matches start at 2.45 this afternoon, correct? Yep, absolutely right. And uh, the earlier games, Canterbury Cup Premier Reserves will be a uh, kick-off at 1pm. And of course, we've also got the uh, Women's Premiership games on Sunday, one o'clock. Oh, okay, so so who are the who are the big guns in the women's premiership? Uh, so Lim would have uh, took the title last year in that competition as well. There weren't too many competitions that Lim would didn't take out in a massive year for the club. Uh, they beat Sydney Swans, who were the premiers of the previous two years, um, and Wollstone Rams as well have been uh, have been uh, fairly prominent contenders in recent years. Alrighty, so let's just confirm that. So 1 o'clock for reserves, 2.45 for prems, and the women at 1 o'clock tomorrow Sunday, correct? Yep, absolutely. Oh, what time does the Thacker Shield kick off? Is that a 2.45 start on, at Wingham uh, Park? That's a, that's a 1 o'clock kickoff, uh, being part of the uh, ISC Canterbury Cup Premier Reserves, so um, yeah, of, of uh, all, all games in that grade kick off at one o'clock. I'm not going to let you go now because there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Because recently there's been, there's been talk, and I want your opinion, and so you can take your Canterbury Rugby League hat off if you want uh, about a second a second NRL team. And I've always said that Christchurch Canterbury should be the place for it if it was sustainable. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, look, I'm I'm certainly no. Uh, uh, accountant or businessman, so I'm not sure how the numbers would stack up. But I think if there was to be a second New Zealand team, it makes sense for it to be in Canterbury. Got a new covered stadium being constructed right now, second biggest population base, and I think a really um, a, a really uh, good you know, rugby league supporter base here. Um, I, you know, it makes sense. Doing a lot of great things down in Canterbury, and uh, a lot of good juniors coming from here. You can see them running around in the NRL every weekend. So uh, Jordan Ricky at the Broncos, Jermaine Isako at, uh, at the Dolphins, um, you know, they've all come through Canterbury's junior ranks. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it would be a success, but if, uh, if it is to be a second New Zealand team, I think it makes sense for it to be here. Do, do you constantly have to push back against rugby? Because rugby, you know, is, is the game in Canterbury. Do you always find that you're battling if you're looking for sponsors and the like? Um, yeah, I guess, like, I'm obviously uh, rugby league down here is, is, um, is dwarfed a little bit by rugby union, um, even more so than, than some other regions in, uh, in New Zealand, but coexist quite happily, I yeah. think. There's a mutual respect there. And, um, it probably shouldn't be forgotten that uh, Canterbury Rugby League did a lot for rugby union by by uh, giving up the home ground uh, where the Crusaders are still playing uh, after the, the earthquakes here. So I think there's a, a yeah. fairly um, a cordial relationship between the two codes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. just remind those uh, those footy heads that Orange Theory Stadium is actually Rugby League Park. We should just remind them that once. Yeah, it's Rugby League Park. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> once, once in a while. Uh, okay, the big story that broke, oh, gee, was it broke on Thursday night. Roger Tuivasa-Shek going back to the Warriors. Are you one of these folks that's all for it, or do you have question marks about it? Uh, I'm 100% behind it, Stephen. I'm, I was so excited to see the news. Uh, yeah, obviously, a uh, big Warriors fan, do a lot of work around the Warriors and, and their progress. It's uh, 
been a tough few years while they were based in Australia. Obviously, this uh, start to the season has been absolutely fantastic. Um, just such a massive fill-up for, for Warriors fans that have done it tough, um, and the players in the club and everyone that works there as well. It's just been such a great start to the season. News of Roger coming back is uh, just cheering on top of what's been an amazing couple of months. So are you are you in that camp that says straight to fullback, or do you have another think about where you can play him so he can get his hand on the ball more? Uh, look, I, I, I'm, ex, I'm just excited to have him back, and I'm sure Andrew Webb <laughs> Come on, commit, commit. Yeah, look, I, I think um, personally I would quite like to see him go back to fullback if he can go back to anywhere near the level that he played at last time. He was in the number one for the Warriors. He was you know, close to the best in the game. Uh, Chance Nickel-Klopstad has been doing great at the back for the Warriors, but obviously um, he's a test centre at the moment, current Kiwis test centre, so can more than do a job there. But again, Roger's been playing midfield for uh, the All Blacks, for the Blues. Uh, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, I think he can do do an amazing job uh, as a centre for the Warriors as well. It's an area where we have been really thin of uh, top top quality talent. Obviously, we've had a few more enig- enigmatic types: uh, Solomon Akata, Conrad Harrell. Uh, we've got a bit of talent there, Pompey and Vilea, but not probably quite yeah. the the top shelf centres that we'd like to see. I just think he could do a lot of damage there. So. You know, I'm just excited to see, um, and I'm sure Andrew Webster already has a plan in mind. Um, it, but I think his versatility, versatility is a real plus as well. I mean, you know, how good to be able to, to put Roger at the back if Chance happened to be out. or um, and, and a great mentor to have as well for young guys like uh, Tane Tuapiki as he looks to become a, a permanent NRL player. Um, I just, yeah, it's there's so many pluses for it and... I just can't wait for him to come yeah, back. Listen to you. You're, you're buzzing like a, a puppy with a new bone. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Do they, do they get the uh, Melbourne Storm, though, on Anzac Day? Yeah, look, I think it's our best chance uh, since the last time we won in 2014. Um, we're playing as easily as well as the song. I think we've probably been more consistent, even though the... Uh, the Storm might still have that sort of higher top-end performance yeah. and, and those marquee players at the moment still, but I think we're a huge chance. Um, the the quality that the Warriors have brought this year is just, you know, they're, they're not an easy team to beat. Um, there's, you know, not a, a huge difference between their best and worst at the moment, and that gives them a huge chance against the Storm, who have been kind of un, uncharacteristically patchy. Uh, coming off a loss, they'll be tough, but, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. Gotta love it, Will. Gotta love it. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Canterbury Sports Show this morning. That's Will Evans, the media liaison for Canterbury Rugby League. Thanks, mate. My pleasure, Stephen. Thank you. 7.49 on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Stephen McIver. Time to go deep into Canterbury and one of the smartest minds when it comes to sport. Uh, proudly sponsored by Melray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. He's got plenty of spark too, as Brendan Telfer. Morning, Telf. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I have to ask this question. I was reading you started with Television New Zealand in 1974. Does that mean you worked at the Com Games? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was the very first uh, games I, I, I went to, and, and uh, I was pulled in at the last minute. I'd only been in broadcasting for about six months, and so uh, this whole team had already been finalised by the time I settled in. But unfortunately, one of the hosts uh, had to pull out at the last minute. There was an Auckland guy called Ray Cody, whose uh, wife was ill, so he couldn't 
travel to yeah. Christchurch, and so they desperately needed someone. What I was, I lived in Christchurch. In fact, I just bought a house about uh, two or three minutes walk from Kiwi <laughs> Two Park. So I didn't have far to go to work, as it were, uh, at those games. But yes, the 1974 games I remember vividly. They still remain for me uh, one of the best Commonwealth games or Olympic games I've been to. It was just a fantastic thing that just caught fire right throughout the country because of what happened on the first day when uh, Dick Taylor yeah, won a gosh. gold medal in the 10,000 metres. And so. Um, uh, yeah, so we have a very fond kind of relationship yeah. and a lot of affection for the Commonwealth Games in this country. So, okay, as as time moves on, there's now some talk, well, there is talk that the New Zealand Olympic Committee want uh, the Com Games, I think it's 2034. Should we uh, be bothering with the way sport around the world has evolved and what people are doing and watching? Uh, well, it's a very nice idea. Uh, as I said, uh, we have this love affair with mm. Commonwealth Games. I also uh, can remember uh, 1990, obviously. Uh, yep. as well, I was I wasn't quite around for the for the one in 1950, but the three times <laughs> they've been in New Zealand, they have all resulted in record numbers of medals that this country has won. And so it's positive proof that if you host the Commonwealth Games, it is a great thing for domestic sport in New Zealand because lots of uh, competitors get an opportunity to perform on an international stage in New Zealand. So it's a great thing from that point of view. Unfortunately, um, there needs to be a reality check here. Uh, the, Olympic, the Commonwealth Games have become prohibitively expensive uh, to stage. Um, they don't attract anything like, not even remotely close to the sort of revenues that the Olympic Games can derive from television, sponsorship and spectator numbers. But the last two Commonwealth Games, Brisbane in 2018 and um, uh, in 2022 in Birmingham, cost in excess of $2 billion in our money uh, to stage. Um, but you can't recoup that kind of money. Unfortunately, um, staging the Commonwealth Games in New Zealand will not attract thousands of spectators to this country. Yes, you'll get a few coming across from the Tasman, but it's not like the Rugby World Cup in this country or the Women's Rugby World Cup or the Cricket World Cup uh, when it's staged in, in New Zealand in some shape or form. You do get thousands of people coming to support their teams from all around the world. It doesn't happen with the Commonwealth Games. So the, the, the key factor here in 2034 is how much money will the government be prepared to put into it? How much of that $2 billion will they front up with? Brief, 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 briefly, Telf, let me ask this question. Is it relevant anymore in the way people view sport, what's being played? Yes, it is. It's, it's relevant in far, as far as our, our sport is concerned, as I've just pointed out to you. It's mm. a, a fantastic vehicle for young, talented sportsmen to suddenly and women to launch their careers onto the international stage. The other great thing it does for the sport in this country is it prepares our athletes for the Olympic Games because the schedule at the Olympics is exactly the same as the one held at the Commonwealth Games. So you say you're a 1,500-metre runner or a 100-metre runner or a 400-metre freestyle swimmer. I'm just using some random examples yeah. here. You have to learn how to swim in a heat today a semi-final tomorrow and a final on Sunday or Monday. And uh, that's how it works at the Olympic Games. You don't just go there and win one race or run one race. Okay, if it's a marathon or something, but for the bulk of events, whether it's cycling or athletics or swimming, you have to learn how to pace yourself, how to make sure that you've got something left if you're good enough to get into the final. And that's a very skillful thing that you have to learn. And you can learn it at the Commonwealth Games. So you often find 
athletes of our, from our country who succeed at the Olympic Games will often look back and say, yes, I learned so much from going to the Commonwealth Games two or three years earlier or four years earlier. So, but there is the financial issue, the moral issue, I think. Can we afford at this time in our country to spend $2 billion on a 10-day sporting event which doesn't have the kudos and the status that it had, say, even in 1990? Yeah. Because I... all of the sports have been overtaken by world championships and the poor old Commonwealth Games has slipped down the, um, the ladder a bit, so it doesn't have the same attraction. A lot of world champions and Olympic champions don't go to the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, well, and, and, and that's probably where my relevance question was coming for when you see the rise of sports like a basketball, for instance, in this country is a good example. Hey, look, we're running out of time. Inside 60 seconds, how disappointed are you that the Tuatara baseball uh, company had to go into liquidation? Uh, very disappointed, very disappointed indeed. I mean, I, I, I went to a Catholic boys' school in Wellington, the lower hut, where we used to play baseball. We weren't allowed to play cricket at lunchtime. We had to play or softball or baseball. So I have a strong association uh, coming from the Hutt Valley with, with, with the yeah. softball, which is close to base, baseball. And I, I thought it was doing a pretty good job. I thought that sort of kind of, you know, competed well and uh, it was building nicely. But... Um, uh, I guess they just the dollars just weren't there, and in a small country like New Zealand, again, there's a link there with this idea of having yeah. the games in 2034. Money, money. Yeah. Well, revolves around. Money's not there. Yeah. If money's not there. It uh, it won't fly. All right, Telf. I appreciate the time, and you get. Do you yeah. normally get up at this time of the morning? Um, can I let you into a little secret, yeah. Stephen? I'm lying in bed. <laughs> uh, okay, I just can't get that in my head right now. Hey, have a lovely Saturday, Telf. Appreciate yeah. the time as always, mate. Hey, <laughs> mate. Oh my God. Here's Brendan Telfer just giving his uh, views on what's going on. That's brought to you by Mallory Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. And that was the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner this morning. Uh, Enterprise, the recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years. My thanks to Jacob Scott, who's always uh, got my back uh, wherever I'm working here on SCN. The mail run is coming your way shortly. Stay with us for another busy, busy, busy weekend of sport right here on SCNZ. See ya.